You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. And yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, a Ferrari among fiats of podcasting. Say hey to everybody, Harrison Crow. I, I, I honestly think that I'm the fiat there, brother. I, I appreciate wow. that those kind words, but definitely. <laughs> uh, and you know what? If I can be a fiat uh, among uh, the giants that are in MLS podcasting, yeah. you know what? There's some there's some really nice MLS fiats out there. I, can I Can I ask you something? Yeah. I want to be clear. This will be obvious from the next question I ask. That I don't know anything about cars. Are Fiat's bad? I don't know what a Fiat Well, they're like... I, I kind of generally think of them as like they're their smaller kind of um, right. They're like little hatchbacky things, maybe. Yeah, they they're like less uh, cute. Uh, I guess I'm just trying to think of the car that was kind of popular, but it's that, still like. What was the car that like uh, uh, Charlize Theron and uh, Mark Wahlberg drove? Those uh, oh, the Mini Coopers. Yeah, the Mini Coopers. I think I think of them as like uh, less they? cool uh, European Mini Coopers. Okay, but they are still European. So to me, a Fiat still sounds rather elegant. Oh yeah, I just googled them and I see I see what he's saying. Yeah, they're like little. Okay, that's fine. Can I? <laughs> so, I, Zlatan is you know a interesting fellow. I mean, I don't think that can be denied. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm growing weary of this shtick. <laughs> I think that's bits. fair. Uh, and then I loved it when he came back like a week later and clarified that his teammates were also Ferraris. He did not mean that. <laughs> <laughs> when he said, I'm a Ferrari among Fiat's, I promise you 100% he did not mean Daniel Steris was also a Ferrari with him. No, there's no... He's he's like a used Honda. He's Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's a Kia Sophia. I, that's actually even better, yeah. Yeah. But listen, um, I don't know why I thought that was so funny. He had to come back and just lie like that. And that everyone was... Anybody, if you get anyone in the LA Galaxy read that quote like, Oh, he meant us? Cool. That's what I thought. No one's buying that slot. And no, real. no, no get one in the locker room would thought, oh, cool, thanks. Thanks for, yeah, no. So, um, you know, there's Lawton, I guess, as long as he keeps showing up against LAFC, everything's okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, so much for showing up against, you know, Houston or anybody else. Portland, Portland yeah, that was the one that I was trying to think of. You know, uh, he, yeah. he really does save it for LAFC, doesn't he? I don't. You can't. You can't. You can't fault the man for knowing the rivalry. Well, look. It, oh, totally. Totally. I mean, if that's the. I mean, if you were an LA fan and you could pick one team for him to show up against, like that's it, right? Yeah. Yep. 
You're not you. You could care less if you beat RSL. You could care less if you beat Portland or anybody else. That's right. Seattle maybe, but really, really, it's gonna be it's gonna be LAFC and maybe San Jose. Maybe. But I don't really. I kind of feel like San. It's like the LAFC San Jose rivalry is starting to become one sided in the favor of San Jose, and that's not to say they, the they beat them twice. San Jose. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, it it doesn't feel like a rivalry anymore from the LA perspective. I've, right? I kind of well, there's this is always the thing, right? That I think that one of the things I I, I tend to roll my eyes about the most around MLS marketing is the hyping up of rivalries. Particularly ones that they like. You, make a couple up. years ago, a couple years ago, you could make a serious argument that those two organizations hated each other. Chris no, Wondolowski, oh, Alan Gordon, this all is, those guys. This is what I'm going to say. That is a classic MLS rivalry, the California Classico. It's a terrible name, but it's a good rivalry. It's got history. Now, LA LAFC. I mean, they're. I mean, you, you you put somebody else in in you know the, the lion's cage. You put another lion in the lion's cage, Harrison. Of course, they're going to be rivals. The, it, or it, they're going to fall. I don't know what the fiat is in the animal kingdom, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I, I can't tell. It kind of looks a little bit like um, like a water animal. Like a frog. It's a frog. Fiat is a frog. That's what it is. A turtle. That's what it's shaped like. Um, I still have just a picture of like 50 Fiat's in front of me right now, and I've not stopped <laughs> looking at them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's a new rivalry. But I, I kind of give these new rivalries that are actual literal derbies a pass. Because, of course, these mean something to those fans. Particularly the ones of this the team that was around first. And... NYCRBNY, like that's a that's a legitimate one because that's they're fighting for the same market, you know. Putting Orlando here and Atlanta here and going, they hate each other. Ooh, look, like that makes that's ridiculous. Yeah, but comments by uh, you know Joseph Martinez at the All Star game in Orlando saying that it's really easy to score there. Um, <laughs> I mean, that would help things though. That 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 was a great. Like, that was that was so great. Boy, I very much Atlanta enjoyed players, that. They did some talking at the All Star game. Sure yeah. did. Loose lips sink ships, they say, Harrison. So this wasn't on the schedule, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Yeah, ask me up. Are 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 you back in the coach or are you back in the players? Because I think that there's a real there's two really interesting takes either way you go. Um. Well, I mean, from the teams, for, like if if it was my call and I wanted the nothing but the best success for Atlanta United? Yes. I'd fire the coach, obviously. <laughs> you don't want to, like, reassemble your team where you're like, okay, so, like, it's Perez that's got a problem. It's Pity that's got a problem. It's Barco that's got a problem. That's like... It's Joseph Martinez ha- has a problem. I don't, I don't know if Joseph Martinez Well, has Martinez has already come out. He also, said, he also okay. made comments, too. Yeah. Well, if he made comments, then, yeah. So those are your four, if not best, those are your four, two of your best players... It's your best center back, your main goal scorer, and two guys that are worth that you've invested around thirty million dollars in together, versus just this Dutch guy that they don't like. Get rid of the Dutch guy. 
So here's the other side of it, right? Yeah. Joseph Martinez at max has maybe well i shouldn't say that i was gonna say he has like three more years left but really he maybe has longer i just don't think he'll stick around longer than three years i feel like if they're going to continue to be successful and he's going to continue to score goals at the rate that he's going to and i don't think there's any reason to suspect otherwise short of injury i think most of these players are all gone in under three years Justin martinez is 26 years old um, I think that if he, if you were going to get rid of him, you should have done it after last season is when somebody might actually be interested in buying him. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I think yeah. they're going to allow him to make his exit. And I think, I mean, you think he's going to try to go back and make a, we're going to talk about this in 30. We're going to talk about this here in a second, but I said I don't think he lasts longer than three years. I think I could see uh, him making a move here next season or uh, at the end of next season or maybe right. just before uh, a, a third season. Like I can see that. Well, maybe if all the players just leave anyway or just going to get mad and leave at the end of the year, that solves your problem. That solves that dilemma for you. Um, well, they kind of have to because if they stick with Frank DeBoer, they have to get rid. They're at least going to have to unload a couple of these players. Yeah, right. Because yeah. pity, uh, you can't keep him because no. you're just eating his value. And not only that, but if he sticks around longer and has more of these public feuds with your head coach, then he becomes a you know a quote unquote head case. And I don't want to stigmatize a player, but you know the media is going to do that. So you're going to lose yeah. value because of the way the media is going to portray him. It's true that a lot of coaches don't like to sign players that had huge rifts with their previous coaches. That might be true. Maybe if he's good enough. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that they have – I mean, obviously, financially, you need to not – not right now would be a bad time to cut bait on both Barco and Pity um, because I don't think you're going to get what you paid for them. Uh, I don't think but they've here, done anything he, to, like, enhance I, their value. I don't disagree with that, but here, let me ask you this. Yeah. Is it worth selling them – sooner rather than later because you'll get a higher percentage back or do you think you'll get a higher percentage back now rather than if you wait like at what point do you think is their optimal value do you think well, barco can come out and be some semblance of the guy and maybe you get you know some maybe half of what you paid for him I think Barco is young enough that you can you can hold on to that hand for a little longer and kind of see what comes out in the flop. You know what I mean? No, I, I agree. Um, pity, not so much. I mean, pity. I don't know if the plan was to sell him. I assume it was. I mean, they put a lot of money into him, and, and certainly he's not returned that investment. I think most Atlanta fans would feel comfortable saying thus far. But sometimes these things take time, and I, I think that. If you want to make that investment count, you're going to have to do something different with your coach. You're going to have to come up with a different system because this is not a system where Pity Martinez is just going to thrive. It requires um, – it's not It's not him. It's not built around him. And I don't think he expected to come into a situation where the team was not going to be built around him to his specifications and his stylings. I'm sure that's not what he was sold. Um so, I mean, I think that, yeah, I, I, I don't think that Frank DeBoer is as good enough of a coach to, like, 
throw your two biggest assets, essentially light them on fire, or have a fire sale <laughs> on them. <laughs> um, just because he plays a little more defensively, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I I I don't I don't see it like that way. It, it, once again, this just makes me wonder, like, why you didn't just get someone from Tata's staff just to just be the new Tata? Why change? Yeah. It's weird. Well, anyway, um, let's move on from Atlanta. You know how I feel. I know how. I, the whole world knows how I feel about Atlanta United Football Club. Uh, obviously, Atlanta players keep talking. I want more drama. Just keep. Keep talking that smack at the MLS All Star game. If that, you know what? If this becomes a place where MLS All Stars go to just diss on their coaches publicly, that will give this All Star game a lot more relevance to me than it's ever had before. <laughs> if this is the new standard, where where t- where players just come out and, or is it just Atlanta players? All of them. I want to see everybody just just air all their dirty laundry with everybody. <laughs> like, I'm on the the other airing side of, the of grievances gets the moved to The airing of grievances. It's yeah. MLS Festivus. <laughs> we did it. Uh, MLS news. Anything in- interesting happening this week? Harrison, we have signings. God, we have a lot of signings. Rumored signings. South I, Americans. I didn't even add all of them. I, did, I, I didn't care to go through. I, we can do that. <laughs> I don't know anything about any of them. So I don't really know what to add. Christian Pavon. Do I have that right? Yeah, he's he seems like he always goes for gets sold really high for a lot of money in all my FIFA games. There you go. But I never, uh, I'm never the guy that wants to pay. Like I'd, I'd rather go get somebody that that kind of fits a little bit better of what I. You know what I'm saying? This this guy has probably the most pedigree, I'd say, of all the the fancy um, South Americans being thrown around. Um, you know, he's got senior experience. Uh, but I don't see that that deal getting done. It still seems like that's going to be out of Elliot Galaxy's reach. I think the last we heard was that they had another bid rejected. Uh, but there's a lot of mixed things coming out on that. Uh, LAFC looking at Brian Rodriguez. You know, signing South Americans saying Brian has been a very successful strategy for MLS teams in 2019. I see why LAFC is digging in there. Um not good players, but just guys named Brian. Just guys named Brian. Now, this guy is a more interesting one. He is less of a finished article, quote unquote. He's definitely one for the future. LAFC is in an unenviable, or it's an enviable, excuse me, an enviable position where they can make a big signing that they don't need to add to their squad right now to help them be good or to take them to the next level because they're already at the top level. So they can bring in a 19 year old and say, yeah, cool, you're like a, a DP or whatever. You're, you're going to be a guy that we're going to be developing for a year or two. In the meantime, we're fine. So no pressure on you to immediately contribute and become a big thing. That's very nice. That's a very good place to be, I think. So <laughs> That's a great place to be, yeah. That's where um, every, I mean, that's, I mean, ultimately, that's where everybody wants to kind of be at. I mean, Seattle's almost there to a degree. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have to start. Atlanta. Yeah, a- I mean, well, NYC. Atlanta was not there. Atlanta was not there yet. Um, they, I mean, they've brought in two big-name players that they really needed to be something right away that weren't. Um, I don't think they needed them to be though. That's what I'm saying. Well, like, I mean, I that's guess kind maybe of Barco. Yeah, I suppose they did fine with him being sort of average last year, winning a championship and all. That's fair. 
but um, certainly they needed Pity to be more than he has been. They they don't really have to, they they haven't had the time to be patient with Pity. Well, at least the fans in the standings. That's the funniest thing about all of it. They're fine. They're like in third place or something, and they have a credible chance of winning MLS Cup again. They they matched up well at LAFC against LAFC. Um, no, I totally agree. That was a fun game. So, like, I don't know why. The panic is just that they're not dominating like they were last year, like LAFC is this year. Uh, so, yeah, they're kind of in that position. Um, that's true. So that's an, an enviable position for them as well. But, yeah, that works, Brian. And then there's another Uruguayan, I think, going to Orlando, Pereira. Is that, do I have that name right? Um, who... Yeah, that one's, a, that one's a weird one for me. He's got pedigree. He's a little older. He's a little older. He's a little more complete, I believe. I like how you like kind of like pedigree. Like he he's played in Russia for the past what five seasons. Russia, if you can do, if you can make it in Russia, you can make it anywhere. Here. So wow, that's that's, that's probably true to a degree, especially considering all the things that they have to, you know, players are having to endure over, and they're just from what I've, you know, read second, third hand. But his I numbers, think that's a. I think that is a market MLS should be plundering. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I do not disagree. There's a weird pipeline that goes from Brazil to Russia, and I think more South American countries now, where, like, Russian teams end up with these, like, really, like, hot talent Brazilian kids that are awesome uh, that kind of use that stepping stone to go into, you know, the, the Iberian Peninsula teams. But uh, it'd be cool if MLS could kind of get in there and start messing in that pipeline a little bit too. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, Orlando certainly... Um, I just think his numbers, and this is, the, he's supposed to be like a number 10 from what I yes. understand. Yes, that's uh, what I read. Which is kind of interesting because I, I, it's not like Nani's playing the 10, but he's also kind of also is playing the 10. Like he's Cross being a creator. challenge champion, Nani uh, Harrison. Put some respect on that man's name. I'm sorry. that You're 1,000% you're, you're right with that. The My uh, insolence is noted uh but i mean you're he's gonna have to you know lower his amount and i don't understand it because it's not like they really needed a number 10 they needed a winger or at least that's my perspective of it right like they needed a well, upgrade I, I, over uh tesho akindeli isn't or, the idea going to be that he goes central and moves nani one maybe I, I kind of, I, I guess they've been kind of rotating Nani and then uh, Question and and Mueller through that position. So yeah, I, I guess that's more fair. Orlando needs most of all is for Mendez to start getting me more fantasy points. Jerk. Um, I'm sure that's a priority. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. I, I think um, I'm curious to see how it works. I feel like some of these guys come over here with like a little bit. They don't have like the most sparkling European numbers, but but they come over here and do fine. This could be a good player. No, uh, yeah, it's it, it it. I'm not trying to rain on the parade. I just was a little bit surprised um, that the yeah. yeah it wasn't where you expected them to go. Yeah, I expected him to be a little bit more towards the top end. I mean, you look at you know who uh, you know Toronto uh, brought in with Puzuelo, who you know definitely was. I mean, you could see him at Ghent was the one of the top uh, players. He was being you know courted by other you know european teams even though he was you know getting a little bit older so what he's 29 30 so anyways 
I, I expected it to be a similar signing. Uh, and then when I started kind of looking through the, the numbers a little bit, numbers were just a little... Yeah. Eh. How's our boy Gustavo Boo doing? So far, so good. He's, he's ma- scoring goals. He's scoring goals. Uh, New England still managing somehow to win games despite their defense being awful. It's amazing. Bruce Arena, genius, apparently. Here's the thing. Everyone's talking about all the things that – and this is – like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because people are talking about all oh, the pushing the right buttons and you know we, we come up with narratives. They're still the same team. Like They have literally not done anything different. Boo scored an amazing a couple amazing goals, and look, he's going to do that. He, he's definitely – uh, a high quality player from all appearances and I hope that works out for them they have not mm-hmm. the organization has not got a player like him uh, a caliber of his uh, of his ilk for a while right Correct. but that wasn't the like all you're doing is shuffling really good players at the top of your attacking six where you already had a plethora and had guys having to sit out now you're basically trying to have to figure out the back end of your defense. And it sounds like they might have a defender coming in. They've they've been connected with a couple of different players. Um, well, if there's but, one thing the New England Revolution are reliably good at, it's bringing in uh, top-quality defenders for reasonable market prices. <laughs> from, uh, from sketchy <laughs> locations. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I feel like... It's exciting though. I'm I'm not gonna try to rain on New England's parade right now. It's been a rough decade. Yeah, fair enough. I don't mean to be a, <laughs> I don't mean to be that guy. Let's let's let him have this one. Uh, yeah, uh, I can't think of any other big top signing news. Do we have any trades? Do, am I missing something? I think like I missed a transaction that was interesting. You you have uh, your Eric Miller is an NYCFC player. Blockbuster D. No, I don't. No one cares about that. Um, I, I care about that. I mean, <laughs> I, our, our, our friend, our friend Dummy Run, probably, I'm sure, cares about that. I'm talking to the one person that might actually care about this. Do you yeah. have any takes on that? I love Eric NYC. Miller. I do. I'm not even going to lie. I like Eric Miller I'm, a lot. I'm not surprised. Ben Sweat's going to be sweating it out. as a Harrison-type player. He is. <laughs> Free Nick Beesler next. Free Nick Beesler. Um... Uh, Seattle have extended the loans of, of Brad Smith. Uh, that was kind of a what a horrible move. Why would they do such a thing? <laughs> Irresponsible. Yeah. yeah. Fire Garth Logaway. Yeah. Um, I want to throw my mic. It's interesting. Brad Smith has gotten a bad rap lately by some of the. It's, uh, it went by, It went down like so fast. Like yeah. you would have thought he voted for Trump and that he like uh he was the one that personally took down the three iron arrow sign in both yes. both in Portland and in Seattle. Like yeah. he's responsible for that. Because he slipped. I've seen people blame him for both Portland goals, and I, I, I honestly am blown away by the fact that, that he's getting the, the stick for this where he lost his footing. Yes, that was a little embarrassing looking. The result of which was a player took a very low percentage shot. It smacked off a crossbar and deflected right to Brian Fernandez's feet. It's not really Brad Smith's fault. Well, 
Okay. I, I, first of all, I, I just have to say, I'm a huge, um, maybe that's overselling it. Going back to the Portland LAFC open cup game that they had, I guess, is that two weeks now? It's been a couple weeks since we recorded. It's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. And the one thing that really stuck out to me was how quickly their right back, Jorge Moria, got up the field. Moreira? Yeah, Moreira. He's having a very good season, and no one's really very talking quietly, about him. Yeah, and including he, me. And I, I, I should have acknowledged that at some point during the year. But and, yeah, that, and that guy's quality. He gets forward so fast. Alvis Powell. <laughs> he is a ginormous. But he did. An, I mean, it's not as if he was, you know, slowly move. Like the dude was hauling. And yeah. I didn't think that he was going to cut inside. The cut inside kind of surprised me the first time when I was watching it live. And then he took the shot, which again surprised me because I assumed it was going to be a cross. And he hammered. Like that, it, it just, it was a series of really fortunate events for Portland. And that mm-hmm. happens. That's part of soccer. And you yeah. can't always, and it, it boggles my mind how we want to always assign like some percentage of blame for bad things happening. It's easier that way, I think, to swallow tough defeats. And maybe that's what's going on in, in the world of Seattle right now. Is that if they say, oh, it was just Brad Smith being bad, then they don't have to look at like the actual larger issues that were at play in that game. Which, honestly, I don't really think that was a game that showed a lot of larger issues. It just was a really unfortunate series of events for Seattle and some very fortunate events people for try, People keep trying goes. to paint like these as statement games like portland is making a statement portland's a really good counter-attacking team and guess what seattle kind of played to their hand yep I, I they got to do what they do best um and they executed on one situation and then had a really good fortunate event for another yeah that's that's part of the game so i see why seattle thought it was important to even it you know I don't think Brad Smith is cheap. He's taking up an international slot as well. But I understand why they wanted to go ahead and finish this off. This guy is a huge part of their offensive strategy. I mean, he's 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 the second most touch-heavy player other than Lodero. Uh, he's the second best fullback in the league in open play from key passes and XA only to Ruan, who's another right back that we probably should be talking about more. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he the, there's nothing... like. It would be very difficult for Seattle to replace him, I think. I don't know that... I know that Nuhu is not the kind of player that is... is he's going to be a better defender, but he offers you basically zero going forward. Um, Jovan Jones, perhaps, but he's looked a little lackluster since coming back, and I'm not sure when the last time he even played left back was, but that would be a... That would take some transition. That would take some time that Seattle probably don't have right now can, uh, can- at this point in the season. Eventually, I want to come finish your thought, but I want to come back to Jones. Um, so rather than try to like reinvent the wheel again, I, I think he just if he was available to pick up for the rest of the year, they did the right thing in grabbing him. Yeah, I, I'm look, uh, I wasn't a huge fan when they brought him in uh, initially. I kind of thought that they might have they were preparing to either lose Nuhu or they were going to try to move him. 
Yeah. And when they didn't, it kind of became a little bit surprising. And I have to admit, I'm still a little surprised that they, I feel like they kind of have a surplus of value right now. And so keeping Brad Smith and leaving Nuhu on the bench when both guys are relatively young, relatively, relatively of value. Um, it's a little bit of a surprising move. That being said, I think Brad Smith it kind of is a little bit more of what they want for that left back. Uh, I, yeah. I think that Nuhu just, he's not quite the player that they want. It's not that he's a bad player. I just don't think that he feels the same um, or checks the right box. He's a specialist. He's a specialist player. He's a very defensive left back, which, believe it or not, in this modern era of 2019 soccer, is a specialist role player to have as a very defensively minded outside back. Yeah, and, and honestly, I don't. I've seen. I know he's above his peers in both recoveries and in uh, defensive actions. Yes, I. I I Those still numbers don't... are also juiced because well, and, uh, you, he plays. You, yeah. He comes in specifically at the end of games, and Seattle is trying to hold on to a lead, and they're basically just absorbing pressure the whole time. And, and he's still said, getting for, and he's still trying to get forward, and so you have overlaps coming in his direction as well. So we, a higher percentage of the ball is played in his area. So, but that's fine. That's fine. He's a good defensive player. I, I'm very comfortable saying that. I, th- I think good is is fine. I don't think he's I. It, if you want to paint him as an above average defender, I'm fine with that. But I, I don't know if I quite buy into him being a defensive specialist. He's not Bruce Bowen, right? Like, well, that's what that's what Brian Schmetzer is using him as. Okay. I mean, he is. That's when he comes in and plays. And like, no, you're right. So on a number of in, a, so. in, a, in a plus in a in a plus goal differential yes. uh, situation. That's when he's getting subbed. He's well, yeah. So co- going back to Jovan Jones, talking about, about Jovan no, Jones. What's going, what's on, going with on with this guy? Because Seattle goes spends, you know, pretty good amount of money bringing him back, and yeah. he kind of seems like he's the answer as far as what Seattle needed in both diversity of the wing and also to kind of supplement Victor Rodriguez being gone on the left side. Yeah, but instead and, they're playing Harry Ship. Well, they, I don't feel like Jovan Jones has given them much of an option. Yep, he hasn't, not yet. They, uh, he's not looked good at all. No, it's been... He's come into some odd games uh, at odd times. I, I think that he hasn't really had a very... Um, He's one of those guys that needs a run in the team, I think, before we see him kind of getting back to his best. And I'm not sure there's just room for him to do that sort of um, onboarding process right now. Uh, especially when you've got Smith and New Who and um, Shipper all playing well. And, you know, there's talk of him even trying to bring in another outside player uh, in this window. So... Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work. This 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 move might not really pay dividends until next season, if at all. That's uh, and that's a very Seattle move, you know, is to to make a move for next year in the middle of the present season. So yeah, yeah I, I I can see that. All right, um, let's do some listener questions. Uh, we'll do the R. There's an RBNY section that we'll do in the RBNY question we got asked. Let's, I love listener questions. 
We have a hashtag, AskASAPod. There's not enough tweets in that hashtag, Harrison. People, start using that hashtag. Ask ASA Pod. It's pretty easy. At BitNomad asks, what has RSL done to reduce their goals against, and is it sustainable? Harrison, take this one away. Ah, <sighs> man. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, right? They are really playing to their strength. They last couple of years they've been a really high press team, and then they've slowly and steadily kind of got away from that, and now they're playing more and more compact and they're doing so to uh the extent that they're also getting really narrow and defensively and what that kind of invited teams to do is to cross a lot in fact um they're in the upper half of teams that are being crossed against but they have the lowest successful cross against uh, percentage right now. And that's largely due to the fact that they have so many defenders in the box, as well as they have, you know, fullbacks that are excellent at trying to disrupt those crosses in. Um, who's, been, who's, who's coaching this defense, Harrison? You? I, I know, right? Uh, you'd think. Um, and, and what that's also done is they've had the second best tackling uh ratio in mls right now since may 1st so all this all these numbers are since may 1st uh it's a little bit of a of a window i get that but that's kind of when they kind of went on a hot streak right um so basically since they started being more compact and since they really started getting it in the second half they've got the lowest shots against uh lowest xg against the lowest successful cross against um, they have the worst uh, final third passing against. Their expected passing against is really good. And I think that largely it comes to the fact that they are staying compact. This is basically exactly what I thought Vancouver was going to turn into. This is exactly what I thought Vancouver was going to turn into. So when I started looking into this a little bit more, it it made me kind of chuckle because I feel like maybe Petkey looked over at what was happening at Vancouver and was like, eh, we should totally copy that, bro. <laughs> and that's that's like basically what's what's happened. Maybe they maybe it's been going on longer than uh, than what I give it credit for, but that's when it was really pronounceable to me. So um, yeah, I think it's totally sustainable. I think part of that though has to it really relies upon their defensive midfielders, uh, Kyle Beckerman and uh, Everton Louise sitting as low as what they have. And they, don't misunderstand me. They are they are playing in a very low compact block. And, you know, they're forcing, uh, they're forcing their t- the opponents wide. And, you know, the other side of that is, you know, because they're not playing with a whole lot of the ball, they're also not getting a ton of chances. And sometimes they're making good on those chances and may, sometimes they're not. And they're not the best counterattacking team. So um, it'll be kind of interesting to see if this is something that's going to uh, last as far as a defensive uh, standard for them. Now, last season, <clears throat> we were talking about Real Salt Lake. And I said... What do you think about this Nedim Anu Oha signing? And you were very much against it. Has has he changed your mind? Oh yeah, I think to 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 an extent. Um, I think that 
changing the defense to accommodate the players that they wanted to play was a plus, right? Um, I still think Nick Beasler is a great player, and I really wish that they would use him uh, a little bit more than the sparing occasional uh, run out that he gets to supplement uh, Beckerman or Louise. But uh, look, if that's how, if this is how they want to go at their defense and this is how they want to uh, set themselves up, I think they're, they're executing it perfectly right now. Do you know what drum we haven't been beating this year? Which we usually beat loudly. Aaron Herrera? No, no, we haven't been beating the Joel Plata drum. Oh, I know. What happened to that guy? He fell in a hole. Yeah, I don't know if he's been hurt, but he's not. That wasn't a short joke either. That was just literally, like, he disappeared. Made one start, eight substitute appearances. Well, free Joel Plata, just since we haven't said it in a while. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, Um, yeah. Still a great player, I think. Still a great player. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I do think it's also sustainable. Uh, it's too bad <laughs> that the, this has all been accompanied with a pretty big coaching controversy. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to get into a lot of specifics on it. I think everybody probably knows the story. And if you don't, it's out there on Twitter. Um, but I don't want to <clears throat> lend this kind of comment a megaphone as small as my megaphone here is. Uh, but Mike Pecky did some bad stuff there during a League's Cup game of all things. Um, and we thought MLS teams weren't taking it seriously. Uh, <clears throat> needless to say, um, <laughs> he uh, his behavior was inexcusable. Reprehensible. Reprehensible is another good word for it. Um, given that RSL is kind of clicking right now this season for the first time, really, in a, in a couple of years, it puts them in an awkward position with Mike Pecky, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I am all for you. So somebody in uh, Nerd League Slack threw it out earlier. Kyle Beckerman for player coach. Just bring Beckerman in? Just, <laughs> like, have him... No, like, listen, you really messed up when Tyrone Marshall's pulling you off somebody. Like, that dude had a reputation when he played in MLS. Yeah. And so when he's pulling you off, you know you done messed up. That's so <laughs> Tyrone Marshall thinks you've crossed the line. <laughs> yeah, So, but this, this really is. Like, I feel like you and I uh, last year were very much – What's going on with the RSL? When are they changing? When are they getting better? And the year before that, we we did that a couple times on ASA uh, articles and stuff. And I feel like it's been an ongoing thing, as you just said, for the last three years. When is this team going to finally turn the corner? And it feels like it's starting to finally happen. I still think their young attackers need to take a step forward. But that's, that's another discussion that we can talk about later. This is a team holistically that is primed to make a difference in the playoff run. And when I mean make a difference, I mean this is a type of a team that could do damage against an LAFC again. All right, big words. Well, I I mean, look, think about it, right? LAFC plays a possession-oriented style. They want to go wide at times, and they... If you can 
prevent them from cutting inside like RSL has been really successfully doing over the last six, eight weeks, mm-hmm. you have a chance. And more than that, if you can counter really well, like Portland has shown, look, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, look, we said, we talked about this, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that if yeah. you can counter really well along the width of LAFC, you're going to have a chance. That's right. That's right. I mean, we talked about that. It's possible. I'm, I'm but, not convinced that it's going to happen, but it, oh, it, I mean, it is technically possible. Yes, I think I think the best matchups against LAFC are going to be these bunk and counter teams. Yeah, I agree with that. And Zlatan, for whatever reason. And then yeah, and then throw in like the whatever ten other players you throw onto the field with Zlatan. Yeah, it's like whoever ends up getting LAFC in the playoffs in the conference finals or whatever should get a chance to just loan Zlatan for the week. <laughs> All right. Uh, question from Carlin Carpenter. Carlin wrote an article for us uh, last week. His first for ASA. Thanks, Carlin. Um, he says, the Eastern Conference. What the hell? What team passes the eye test the most? NYCFC for me personally. I didn't mean to make it sound like you wrote a poem, but that's just how it came out, Carlin. I apologize. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, what the hell indeed? Um yeah, I would, I would, I would have to agree. I mean, like I would say, I test, just I test. Looking, I, I think NYCFC is a very formidable unit, um, can, but it's can, hard to kind of tell. <laughs> it's hard to judge them because they play half their games in that shoebox, and it's just always weird. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I still think Atlanta's going to come good. I, I still have not, I have not um, given up my fear of Atlanta yet. If you adjust home adjust numbers, and again, going back to May 1st, so we're looking, and when I go back to May 1st, that's like 10 games, right? Yes. And again, that's when numbers start to stabilize for expected goals, right? Yes. Um, So you look at against, NYC is second behind RSL and expected goals against. They're second behind RSL and worst expected passes into the final third. Um, they have one of the higher uh, expected points in 1.83. That's third behind San Jose and LAFC since May. I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, look, Chicago is up there as well. They're kind of in the same woods, but that, that's like another thing in and of itself that's like some amalgamation of like toxicity of numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to care to go down that road. But as far it's as eye road. test and the marrying of data, NYC, yeah, absolutely. They seem like they finally... Um, they uh, Dome Torrent uh, finally has this team kind of rolling. Haber's been a revelation signing. One of yeah. those guys, you just go, yes, because this guy not only is one of those MLS forwards now, and all the MLS good MLS teams seem to have one. They're like hitting these nearly goal a game kind of figures. Uh, he's he costs a lot less than most of the other ones. Well, I was gonna uh, say he's a TAM signing, isn't he? Uh, yeah, and uh, he's he's been great. He does a lot of work defensively too. Um, a lot of link up play. 
uh, very intelligent, bright player. I really like watching him play. So uh, his coming onto the pitch, I, I think, really made a, a world of difference for that team to have like an actually focused focal point and then their attack. So um, assuming he stays healthy, uh, yeah, I, I would say NYC FC is my favorite of the East right now. Um, certainly uh, Atlanta is always subject to blow up and, and go nuts. And same thing with Toronto. It definitely has the talent and a few new signings here and there uh, coming in that, that could – uh, potentially uh, turn their season, you know, on its head as well. So I wouldn't rule out Toronto either. Um, I think the only team that we can really success, you know, just confidently rule out. And speaking of which, it's our next question from Brian Rice at BRicey16 says, "Add Harrison Crow roast RBNY, please." Harrison, you've got exactly five minutes to roast Red Bulls New York. I don't know if I want to roast them, but Go they off, are. King. <laughs> Look, uh, they definitely have a situation where they are playing with less. <sighs> I don't. I don't even know necessarily what the word is. So much as it, it's Joie just less intensity, maybe. Um, what'd you say? Joie de vivre. What? A spirit de corps. Okay. I don't have any of it. Okay, maybe. Um, uh, they definitely don't seem as lively out on the field. They don't feel as uh, – I don't feel like there's this uh, – I don't feel like anyone on the field is going to have a heart attack while I watch the game. And that's kind that's of – good. <laughs> that's a positive. But I also feel like that was a characteristic of this team that was um, – Beforehand, they were breaking our numbers in ways that we knew that they were a good team, despite what some of the other metrics say. But now we have all these metrics that say that they're kind of a below average team, and that kind of meets the eye test. Yes. And right at the heart of it, you have Brian White, and I don't really know what to make of him right now, because he's, what, got eight goals in the season, but... He's putting up barely a shot and a half per game. And let's be clear, too. Let's be clear. Brian White is exactly a Harrison Crow, young guns type of player. He, he is, and and don't give like I was all in on Brian White starting and getting time, and I still I still haven't made up my mind on him, right? Like maybe he's a guy, and this is what's kind of interesting is if you look at the guys that are getting the XG per game that Brian White is. They're putting up four, five. That's not maybe that's a little slight exaggeration. They're putting up nearly three shots a game mm-hmm. to get the XG that he's averaging with his one and a half shots. So what that tells us instinctively is that he's getting to really good locations. And if you look at the maps and you look over the games, he is. He's getting yes. to fantastic Uh, He's getting fantastic opportunities, and he's burying those. And it's not just that he's burying them. He's putting them. He's had really good touches on the ball every single time. They're nice, clean, crisp, solid, connecting shots that you would reasonably expect. So I think when I look at the fact that he's overproducing his XG, I look at the games, and I say, okay, that makes sense. It does. In his case, it very much makes sense. It's very easy to see why. But when does that shoe fall? Because for him, it's like what we've talked about. Every person to continue to find that XG in that good sweet spot, they've had to either do something 
or be that next tier level of player. Fox in the box. Right? Be that Chris Wondolowski that is just to the... I mean, we've talked about this, you know, through DMs over the last... Uh, <laughs> well, over the last four years, but <laughs> besides that, yeah. like Even recently... Show, ad we've, nauseum. So, yeah. We've talked well about covered. some of this. And, and, like, I don't, I don't get it because... I feel like to an extent he's not a player that I'm going to that I look at and think he is an elite caliber player that's going to be able to continue doing what he's doing. But maybe because right now that's where the Red Bulls are at. They kind of have to hope that Brian White continues to to do his thing because if they don't, if Tom Barlow doesn't come on and score some magic goal, they're done. The Red, Bulls, the Red Bulls are such an interesting team in that they kind of tend to do things their own crazy way. Like, I think they're really, really interested in, like, the one contract I know they'll always renew is their own drummer so they can keep marching to the beat of it. And, <laughs> like, and that's fine. Like, that, that's cool even. You know, it, it's like they do things that are sort of, like, I don't know, like, you, you think, like, what's Daniel Royer doing? Like, what what, what happened there? Like, what what's what? Daniel Royer's thirty. I guess he is thirty now, isn't he? Like, you got Riza. You got like these weird players just kind of like poking out the edges of this squad. Emerald Tarek. Um, I I don't know. Like uh, Alex Muil is like uh, a guy that we kind of expect. I would have expected to break out a little more than he has by now. I think he's a fine player, but uh, you know Sean Davis has kind of gotten a spot, and they're always just gonna like say like whoever's our big guy, we're just we're totally cool with moving him whenever we need to, and we're we 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 have no sentimentality when it comes to this sort of stuff. Question: Go to Orlando. We we got to do a different thing. Dax McCarty, go to Chicago. We're gonna do a different thing. Bradley Wright Phillips. This is Brian White's team now. And it's an odd situation to be in. And um, I think that kind of ruthlessness has served them well over the last few years. Obviously, they've been very, very successful at what they've done on a, on a relatively low payroll. Um, but I think that that Bradley Wright Phillips transition is going to be more difficult than all those other ones were. Uh, and that might even be a little bit harder, too hard of a trick to do as quickly as they've been able to do with other players in the past. I maybe I I feel like they've gotten lucky. I feel I, I think well, and that's not to like to hit the kneecaps of the coaching staff, the organizational staff. To be good at some level, you have to have had some luck True. in getting you what you where you get. Uh, so realizing though that you've gotten lucky that's that's the kind of the next step of where you are realizing that you can't necessarily continue on simply because you got where you got by doing what you did you have to realize the element of luck that was inherent in the process of you getting to where you were and what can you replicate that was consistent because honestly I don't see that they have a plus passer. They don't have guys that are really great at passing the ball to each other. They don't have guys that can consistently f- 
create a high volume of shots. They don't have guys that are really, even at this point in time, that can consistently win the ball back in possession, that are going to chase the ball down. Yes. They have, so they have some really good players. I really yeah. like Aaron Long. I really like Tim Parker. Aaron Long might be moving on soon. That's, 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 the, that's the rumor. Sean Davis, really good player. Lewis Robles, really good keeper. Yeah, Michael Marullo. Good players. Just don't have the esprit de corps. The joie de vivre, Harrison. I, I, you know, I, I, do, I don't think that's it, but I mean, maybe. <laughs> so uh, that brings the question, though. So if, if they follow suit, BWP's gone at the end of the year. If you're an MLS team... Do you jump on that? Like, and how soon do you jump on it? Uh, if I'm certain MLS teams, I jump on it immediately. If I'm Vancouver, I do it now, yesterday. Uh, if you need a striker, yeah, get them, get them. I mean, even really good teams that, that could use a backup. I mean, if New York doesn't want them there, like, I know a lot of good teams that would love to have somebody like Riley Wright Phillips able to come off the bench. Um, you know, it, it, it's a... Uh, I'd be surprised if Bradley wanted to move on. I don't know. I think if he wanted to move, the one thing he might want is an MLS Cup. So he might want to go to a contender instead of a, a team like Vancouver or something like that, that that needs like a starting striker. I just don't know what his preference would be on that. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd do. I, I would. I think it'd be. I think he'd have a lot of offers, and and deservedly so. It'd be really interesting if a team like DC United was able to get BWP. I think that is one that would not happen. <laughs> I think that rivalry would probably uh, probably prevent that from from going over with either fan base pretty well. Is he um, a free agent at the end of the year? I think he is. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Okay. Let's get into Bradley Wright Phillips more next week. I want to talk a little more about Bradley Wright Phillips. Okay. And what he profiles as. All right, we're done. We ran out of time. We did it. Uh, awesome. Thank you as always to uh, my friend and co-host. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, follow uh, American Soccer Analysis on Twitter at Analysis Evolved. Please visit our website, www.americansocceranalysis.com. Go there right now and read about some expected threat metrics. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, once again, uh, we, uh, we we do appreciate you so much uh, listening and, and sending in your questions. If you have questions for me or Harrison that you want us to address on the podcast, uh, send them to Harrison and at Analysis Evolved uh, and hashtag it, uh, ask ASA Pod, and we'll be sure to try and uh, not put them off till next week, which we've done with a number of them for a few weeks now. We'll get to it eventually, boys. We promise we're going to try our best. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, enjoy All-Star Soccer.